All right, get ready to make money. Get ready for some exciting SEC football. Get ready to, uh, to, to go into the next phase of football season. For a lot of people, football didn't feel right until the SEC starts playing, all right? This is the ESBC Betting and Financial Podcast, where every business meeting has to have a purpose and an outcome. The purpose of this podcast is to make me money in a lot of different ways, right? From people who advertise on the podcast to me getting information from the listeners in the podcast, uh, host, co-host, panelist, get information from them, share information, and then bet on the games and make money that way. We live in the richest country in the world where we can do that. Right? So that's the purpose. What has the outcome been? Uh, for the last 12 years, my wife has bought $32,000 worth of gasoline with betting money. And this, we're, we're very fortunate, lucky and good that this month's gas, total, our whole gas bill was paid purely on betting money. All right. Now, we have a guy here on the podcast, Dr. Brandon First, who's been making me money for years. I heard him on the radio. And I'm like, man, I don't have to uh, do any research on the Philadelphia Eagle because this guy knows what he's talking about. He's not a homer 24-7. He's pragmatic, and he's watched a lot of football. Thank you for joining us, Dr. First. Thank you. It's good to be here. And, uh, you know, like you said, um, we're not at full capacity in terms of college football, but um, obviously with the announcements in the last three or four days, uh, all the conferences will be playing eventually, but this is kind of the first wave um, of of uh, the big boys rolling through. And obviously, um, I think it's going to be a little interesting with the SEC. SEC, the big teams in the SEC are kind of notorious for having cupcakes uh, in their non-conference schedule. Well, there is no non-conference, so everything is um, you're going to be, you know, facing some really top teams. Uh, no more, you know. Georgia Southerns or uh, Florida Atlantics uh, week 14 before the Iron Bowl. So we'll see how that goes, but uh, just excited to get another conference rolling. Yeah, right on. Right on. Uh, the SEC played it safe. They waited to now to start. They waited for other things to happen before they, they began to, to, to start. But on the slate of games that we have, right? You also have some ACC games in here. We're gonna go ahead and pick 10 games. We do that because we teach business and financial uh, concepts, right? Business and financial concepts to help you uh, make money watching games. And we don't just, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach the man to fish that he can make money for his family for a lifetime. So we have the top 10 rules of betting. Number one is you never bet on your own team. Or even with me, you never bet on guys who come on the podcast or associated with people that come on a podcast because you get emotional and you uh, overestimate your decisions. So that's the reason you don't bet on your own team because we overestimate our decisions anyways. We're always over-optimistic about things. But the opposite is also true. We're also overly pessimistic 
and things that we have an emotional attachment with. So it can go both ways. So when that's going on, right? Uh, we talked about, we had it on the show too, the, the amygdala brain. When you're part of the amygdala brain, it's not a good place to make decisions. Number two rule of, of uh, betting on games is always do your research. So we separated the labor. Uh, Dr. First has the Florida Gators and the Florida State criminals that we're going to have uh, talk about wagers on later. But right now he's going to give them a team report. And I'm going to give you a team report on the Texas Longhorns, the whole conference of the AAC, because I followed them all my life. And it's all about the, you, the Miami Hurricanes. Dr. First, let us know your team report on your teams. The, the, big, the big story, obviously, um, out of those two teams is Florida State. And um, I guess it's good news. It's no longer the top story that um, of a loss at home to Georgia Tech. Now it is Mike Norvell uh, being out tomorrow um, for their showdown against the U. Uh, it will not be Mike Norvell on the sideline. He tested positive for uh, COVID-19. So uh, we will see the fourth different coach in Florida State in the last seven games. It's pretty crazy. Um, but for Florida State, their, their main, I guess, uh, focus has to be now with ACC play already down on a back foot. Um, obviously, when you build the schedule, Florida State did not expect to be in the situation they're in after the Georgia Tech game. Now, the whole thing with Mike Norvell and the head coach, that's for the most part out of their control. I mean, it would be nice if certain things were happening, but we don't really know, honestly. So who knows? But anyways, that was for the most part out of their control. Now, them going out and laying an absolute egg after their first two drives against Georgia Tech, that was 100% in their control. Um, I think it's, it, it's very evident, and it, it's a quote I brought up last week against um, uh, for Mike Norvell, and this was obviously pre-COVID, but he, he did talk about that while the focus is on Miami during the bye week, um, there is still plenty in-house that they need to fix first and foremost. So with the, with the sideline or, or the fact that Mike Norvell cannot be with the team hands-on, that is um, a big blow to this team. And like, like Josh said, we'll get to the wagers later. Uh, Florida State is against Miami in um, one of the more interesting rivalry games in college football. And, and on the opposite side, we have Florida, who um, is making their season debut tomorrow, as everybody in the SEC is. They will be facing Mississippi. Get to that in a moment as well. But for Florida, it's about continuity. This is a team that really, really does expect to contend. I, I've alluded to it before. It's going to come down to um, the Florida-Georgia world's largest cocktail party, whatever it's called now. Um, but that game more than likely is going to give you the winner in the SEC East. Um, obviously, that would put you into the SEC title game, and you would expect them to be right on the inside track for uh, the, the college football four. So for Florida, like I said, it's about getting off to a strong start against Mississippi. Um, we'll get to that in a bit. But Kyle Trask, he's a guy um, for Dan Mullen. He's been there now a couple years under the Dan Mullen system. It's year three for Mullen, and it's time for Florida to take steps forward. It's been since Spurrier left 
Um, and yeah, I mean, let's say take that back since Urban Meyer left because Urban Meyer steadied the program. But since that happened, Florida um, has yet to really assert their dominance as we used to, we were used to seeing um, in the early part of this century. And, you know, the, the nineties uh, Gators of Steve Spurrier that we all know uh, so well, but for Florida, like I said, really for both of these teams, a little different um, Florida, it's about contending and getting off to a fast start and um, getting ahead already. While for Florida state, it's, it's damage control at this point, obviously they have to put the fact that their head coach won't be with them off to the side they cannot start 0-2 because 0-2 means an 0-2 ACC start. That um, is not going to work for Mike Norvell, especially if his second loss uh, technically comes on the sidelines. Um, well, really on the sidelines, not the sidelines you would expect. So that's what we got for Florida and Florida State. We'll get deeper into them when those games come up. Yes. And then uh, I got the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, it was very interesting last year. It was a developmental year for Manny Diaz. Uh, Manny Diaz's dad was former mayor of Miami. Uh, so he's had a silver spoon in his mouth the whole time. But uh, he's former assistant at Florida State. So the man can recruit, right? <laughs> Just the way his dad got campaign contributions to be mayor of Miami. The man can recruit. And he got DeAndre King. Now, DeAndre King is a thrower. He's not a passer, but he can run. And a lot of people feel that he should be, uh, he should have been mentioned for the Heisman Trophy before, and he should be mentioned for the Heisman Trophy this year. So in their first couple of games, they sat him in the pocket and have him learn how to become a passer so he can get himself into the NFL, get himself that payday, all right? Then they bring in, he, see, when you're in politics or you're in business, you always, if you're the smartest man in the room, you're in the wrong room. So you have to bring in people smarter than you so the organization moves forward. So what does he do? He brings in Brett Lashley, all right? Now on the defense side of the ball, he's a defensive coordinator all right and he fits the cuban cultural style of management which is authoritarian and micromanaging so he's really the defensive coordinator uh he's been hired by great people you know your mac browns uh your mullins of the world when he was a defensive coordinator of mississippi state so, so they go and they play louisville last week i knew they were going to cover because last year was a developmental year he kept everything under wraps. This year, he's going for the kill. He's got a lot of talent. And what was interesting was the explosive plays. Him being the defensive coordinator, he was like, okay, Rhett, if you can score fast, score. And that's what they did. They have uh, three plays over 80 yards last week. All right? So that's your Miami Hurricane program. And let's see if those computers, there's a logarithms from last year, are going to be able to help them help us this year as those uh, Miami hurricane lines might be nice and juicy for us uh, to take advantage of, right? Now, your Texas Longhorns. Uh, they, you know, the whole, everybody's been ravaged by uh, COVID-19. 
all right? And, and so has uh, the Big 12, all right? So uh, they rank the Tom Herman, right? When you look at the Tom Herman lines, he is uh, 10 and one as an underdog. He's only about 50% against the spread as a favorite. Uh, this year, when they when he met with the uh, athletic director, this is a hundred and twenty million dollar athletic budget, and he was about to get fired. What he did was he threw his coordinators under the bus. So he has new coordinators this year. So it's a make it or break it year. He's going to be uh, ready to roll. All right, and let me double check. It's been a crazy week, but the Longhorns are not playing this week. Yes, they play Texas Tech. They play Texas Tech this week? Yes, and we will get to that uh, a little bit later. That will be so one we'll of get to that a little bit later. So they ended up playing the game. I guess Texas Tech guy uh, tested for COVID-19, and there was uh, doubt whether that game will be played, but Dr. First says that that game will be played, and we'll break that game down because we did see Texas Tech live playing against uh, Houston Baptist football. Uh, Rasslaff, Air Raid, he's on the podcast, listen to the Faith and Family Football, but we got a lot of detail about Texas Tech from somebody who was on the field with Texas Tech. So that's going to be a hell of an analysis right there. All right Now we're going to go to the AAC. Now the AAC is knew they were going to play from the beginning, all right? And they're fine as far as COVID-19 is concerned, except for East Carolina. East Carolina's been ravished, but uh, they'll continue to go. So when you look at the AAC, you think about them, they're, they're an aspiring conference, right? Uh, it's a race between them becoming the power six and schools from there leaving when the NCAA expands to the top 64, all right? Cincinnati looked great last week. Uh, Memphis has been ravaged by COVID-19. They eventually will uh, fold. USF, uh, they're a developmental program right now. Uh, Coach Scott is reevaluating the program and they really looked pathetic last week against Notre Dame. Uh, not only uh, did they look pathetic, uh, they also got infected by Notre Dame and had to cancel their game against Florida Atlantic, right? But uh, huge problems that I saw uh, with USF, uh, offensive line, young offensive line. Uh, not only are they young, they're, they, don't, they didn't show much talent. Uh, McLeod is always hurt. Uh, the guy who eventually will be the quarterback, uh, Fortin, from uh, transfer from North Carolina. Very excited about him as an alumnus of USF. Uh, but he's always hurt. He was hurt. Maybe they're keeping him on the wraps next year when they get better players. Uh, you could see why uh, the guys that were on the field with USF, why they were in the transfer portal, uh, because they didn't show much talent. I'll give them a break. USF hasn't been able to practice or have a full spring practice or have a full fall practice. But nonetheless, nonetheless these guys that were fourth and fifth year seniors uh, showed a lack of talent. 
and I did not like the fight they had in the second half. So, Coach Scott has a lot to has a lot <clears throat> to work on, uh, and I, I'm actually glad they're not playing FAU this week. Uh, Coach Willie Taggart and Tim Blevitt that I worked for at one time, uh, they were going to be ready for, him, right? Uh, but that's not going to happen. But they get more weeks uh, to practice to get better cohesive as a team. Uh, he's a great coach. And I did learn that not only did he, re, uh, Coach Scott, Jeff Scott, was the offensive coordinator at Clemson. He's now the head coach for USF. Not only did he recruit DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson and coach him as the offensive coordinator there, he also recruited Trevor Lawrence, which uh, I, I saw watching the, the game last week. So we're going to be fine in recruiting. Uh, again, this is going to be a de developmental year for USF. Uh, and, uh, but watch out for them uh, next year. Uh, UCF, I saw them this week. They look, you can't finish university. They're a rival. And right now I'm feeling pain in my heart to say this. But they look great against Georgia Tech. Uh, Gabriel, I hate the fact that he's a sophomore. Uh, he looked really sharp. Uh, their quarterback, and they seem to have more players on defense for uh, Randy Shannon, former head coach of Miami, who's not a defensive coordinator at uh, You Can't Finish University. All right. So that's the AAC. Teams that I didn't mention in the AAC is because they're not, they're not, they're, you're going to have to study their games. There's not going to be a definite edge in those teams. You know, your Tulsa's, SMU. Again, you're going to have a great offense, bad defense. you got to research who they're playing. But SMU is undefeated. They look great. Uh, they have a great coach with a great pedigree. Besides that, research those AAC games. Reach out to me. We'll give you answers. So, all right. So, that's your report on Florida, FSU, right? Miami, the Texas Longhorns and your American Athletic Conference. So now we are going to go to the 10-pack. And the reason we do at least 10 games is because of arbitrage. And arbitrage is a law in finance. And when you have similar assets, right, you, you buy. And what you're doing when you're wagering on a game is you're buying a price, right? And you're buying a risk profile. So this is football. A lot of these coaches come from the same coaching trees. Uh, they all bench press. They all run 40-yard sprints. So they're very, very similar assets. So you do between five and 10 bets at least to obtain arbitrage, right? Because you gain a significant advantage when you're buying and trading similar assets. The, the Mormon you do the better risk profile you have. And remember, right? You're buying a risk profile when you're wagering on a game. So that's why we do 10. What's the first game we're going to tackle? Dr. First. Well, first one we'll be looking at is uh, Florida at Mississippi, obviously the debut of Lane Kiffin. Uh, Florida is 13 and a half point favorites um, on the road. Over under is 58. Um, look, I I look at Mississippi. Um, I, I will admit I am biased. Uh, very few P5 
people in this world have um that I respect as little as I do uh Lane Kiffin I think uh he's a you know he's a very talented football mind but as a human being he leaves a lot to be desired um and I really do root for him to fail so I do have to fight my bias there um but it, it's I, I'm gonna take Florida 13 and a half mainly because a 13 and a half um I think Vegas is telling us something there and also um Mississippi's only bringing back I think, uh, let's see, yeah, 46 career starts on the offensive line, not a huge number. Um, we're looking at Florida that is kind of um, a, a very, a team that's been together for quite a while. Um, I'm also going to take the over. I do think um, there will be enough garbage time for um, Lane Kiffin to do some kind of weird things and, and have enough to fill up his uh, little highlight reel enough. But I, I like this. Um, you know, a, a 41 to 28 victory, kind of a, a bit of a shootout, but not really uh, 41 to 27, I guess I would need, but right, right, right. Um, give me Florida uh, the points. Like I said, if it gets up to 14, leave it alone, uh, 13 and a half or anything lower than that, obviously um, I could see Florida being two touchdown victors and um, the over look, I'll be honest uh, when it comes to over unders in college, it's, it's, it's a little tough for me to gauge those um, especially early in the season. But um, the over seems good here because of the offense of Lane Kiffin. While I don't respect him, that is obviously one thing he does well. And um, Florida, same thing there, um, especially in terms of the continuity on offense and all around that whole team. I think Florida is more one of the more experienced teams in all of football. Sounds good. Uh, one thing that intrigues me about Mississippi doing my research for this game is the fact that old, well, give you some history, right? Uh, Layla Kiffin is the daughter of, um, I want to say Dan Reeves, but he was the head coach. His last, David Reeves, who is Steve Spurrier's best friend from old school Gator football. And What's, what's relevant here is that David Reeves back in the day used to run the double barrel shotgun. So what the double barrel shotgun is, is when you bring in two quarterbacks who one, one of them can throw usually and the other one can run and you don't know who they're going to snap the ball to. So they're saying Lane with a depleted roster, uh, with a roster he has to build back up, like Dr. First was saying, is going to try to run the double barrel shotgun that I've been, I've been saying for a long time should be in football. And I don't see why people don't run it. Uh, and for that reason, right now, Bovada has it at uh, 14. I'm going to buy a whole point and make it plus 15, like Dr. First is saying, don't touch it. I'm going to go the other way. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin is going to throw everything by the kitchen sink at this because he knows he's going to lose probably every other game. And you got two offensive-minded guys going on and it's going to be hot i'll say it's going to be hot in oxford mississippi let me look at the weather tomorrow in oxford mississippi uh, it's going to be hot it's going to be humid and these kids have not uh, practiced tackling so you got two offensive coaches uh, social distancing tack uh, tackling 
we see right after week two, and these are professionals who probably have their own gym at their house, right? Uh, they're wearing down second week of the season. So these are college kids who haven't been practicing the way they, they probably should. So you got to see this game going to go up. So it's going to be in Oxford tomorrow. It's going to be it's going to be 80 degrees, but this is a kicker, right? Especially when you got pads on, and I'll share the screen. When you got pads on, uh, you're wearing a helmet, right? It's actually good that there's not going to be people in the stands because people's going to be more heat. Uh, I imagine it's going to be 25% capacity in Mississippi, right? So it's going to be around 80, right? But this is a kicker right here. 94% humidity. Can you imagine that? Right? Because they're right next to the Mississippi River. So it's going to be nasty hot with pads and a helmet on. Those defenses are going to waltz in the fourth quarter. And, and, and like Dr. First said, it doesn't matter what the score is. So if it's, you know, 35 nothing at halftime, which it might be, uh, Lame is going to try to come back and keep scoring. So you at least are going to get the over. So personally, I'm going, uh, and it's actually probably the same bet as Dr. First. Personally, I'm going to go plus 15 over 58. And that's your first game. Your Florida Gators against Ole Miss, the Ole Miss Rebels in Oxford, Mississippi. Next up is uh, Louisville at Pittsburgh and obviously two ACC teams. The line currently is Pittsburgh favored by three. The over under line is 54 and a half. I'm just going to start. Um, for me, I think um, you, you kind of have to look at this one of two ways is if, if you take the under, you have to take Pittsburgh. I believe if you take the over. I think you have to take Louisville. Um, I think it's just going to be one of those games. If it's a low scoring game, Pittsburgh wins. It's a high scoring game. Louisville wins. Now, Louisville, their defense, um, look, I know Derek King is going to be, um, at least within the discussion of the Heisman, um, hopefully he gets to New York because he probably deserved to go a couple years ago. But Or, well, I don't know how it's going to go, but uh, to be a finalist. And um, I, I was really, really impressed with them. Now, Louisville, they just it, – it didn't seem like no matter, no matter what they tried to do, uh, Miami was just two or three steps ahead of them. Now, Pitt is obviously not nearly the uh, offensive team, but they are ten times the defense – well, okay, maybe about three or four times the defensive team that Miami was. I actually like Pittsburgh, but I'm going to buy the half point down. Let's get underneath that magic number of three. I like Pittsburgh minus two and a half and the under kind of piggyback on what I said. You know, if you like Pittsburgh here, you kind of got to like the under Pittsburgh is not winning a 44 to 41 game um, in this one. Uh, Louisville might, who knows, but um, at the end of the day, I'd rather uh, put money on a team like Pittsburgh that while 
last week against Syracuse, there are going to be people that say, oh, well, they let them hang around. They, I mean, if you, if you look at the scoreboard, okay, maybe, but I don't believe that game was ever in doubt once they took the lead. Um, you know, some teams I kind of look like the Steelers. Some teams dominate winning by three points, <laughs> you know, and I, and I, and I know it is Pittsburgh, the, the university, but I just kind of think that's the way this university is and the way this team's going to play and win. Um, so give me, uh, give me Pittsburgh minus two and a half. I'm going to buy that half point down and uh, give me the under 54 and a half. I think Pittsburgh's going to be able to keep um, Cunningham. I think that's his last name, Cunningham. I know he switched his first name around a couple times. So, um, but I believe it's Cunningham, but anyways, he's a, uh, he's a very talented player, but um, when you are a player that steps on the campus at Louisville as the next Lamar Jackson, um, you got a lot to live up to and it hasn't happened yet. So give me Pittsburgh two and a half uh, under 44, 54 and a half. Yeah. Uh, two great coaches here. All right. Uh, what Dr. First is referring to is something that you have to watch and you have to uh, measure and track, right? One of the tenets of uh, betting on games is you have to track your bets, right? And when you're tracking your bets, you want to look at correlation. So correlation is if you think like he thinks in this game that Pittsburgh win is going under, right? Or the opposite, that's correlation. So you want to look at the correlation part of it. And, and I think Dr. First would be right most of the year, but I'm just skeptical right now of the tackling teams have had and how physical a guy like Narducey could get his defense to win, all right? Now, he's absolutely right that Narducey normally does not want to win in a shootout. Last year when he played You Can't Finish University, he didn't want to get in a shootout, and that game was in the 30s, right? So he controlled the game. It was in the 30s. They won. Uh, Louisville, they, they were all hyped up to play Miami last week. Right, Miami is a deep physical football team. Uh, Pittsburgh's opponent wasn't as physical, so I think that's going to be a huge advantage for Pitt. So I'm going to take Pitt, right, uh, to win this game. And that offense of Louisville uh, was stagnated and stopped last week. So uh, Narducci is one of the smartest coaches in college football. He's going to view that, all right? And he's going to take that tape. And I'm going to agree with Dr. First. I'm going to go Pittsburgh uh, minus the three under, what, 55? Yeah, 54 and a half. Yeah, same thing, uh, pretty much. Yeah, so I always buy the point. Why, why are you going to let a point kill you, right? Why die by the point? By that point, salesmen think short-term. Men in business, women think long-term. So buy that half point. Next up is another SEC battle. Uh, it will be Kentucky at Auburn. Uh, Auburn currently favored by seven. Over-under is 48 and a half. Um, look, for Auburn, this is um, – you never really know what you're going to get with Auburn, let's be honest. Um, I, it, it seems like they either go, um, a, you know, 13-1 and one or 12-2 and two and are – 
fighting for a national title or they're seven and six and they're firing a coach or, or figuring out how they can get out from underneath a buyout or something like that. Um, but for Kentucky, um, they had a, obviously a, a nice year last year, but Auburn for me, I think early on at home, um, I just think with no non-conference games in the SEC, I think kind of the big boys are going to come out early and treat these teams, um, the Mississippis for Florida or the Kentuckys for Auburn, take, you know, the Citadel out. Okay, this is that. Now, obviously, Kentucky is a lot more talented than the Citadel, but in terms of how they build their schedule, this is how they look like. Look, this is that cupcake that um, we should roll over. Um, now, anything higher? Now, it, it's certainly sitting at seven. Once again, I'm going to bet that point down to six and a half. Um, and that's probably about as high as I will go. I could see Kentucky uh, keeping this close and being within a touchdown, especially in garbage time. So it's very important you keep an eye on that line. But where it sits right now at Auburn minus seven, um, you, me personally, I'm going to take it down and buy the half point Auburn's way and take it minus six and a half. I expect um, Auburn to win this game. And uh, I actually like the over for kind of those reasons um, Josh has talked about in terms of the uh, lack of tackling or, um, you know, lack of physicality or even just staying away from people uh, in general. I could definitely see this game being a, a, a you know, a 40 or a, a 31 24 victory where we hit it with the six and a half and then um, we get the over 48 and a half. So that's what I like with Kentucky and Auburn. What about you? I follow very closely the uh, Auburn pro program and Dolph Malzahn, he loses Rhett Lashley, smart offensive coordinator. And he loses him because uh, he is one of those control freaks. He's going to run the offense himself. He's going to call the plays. He really likes being an offensive coordinator. You know, he won a national title with that, doing that. Uh, and he has a longtime defensive coordinator who's been there forever, who's coaching the SEC forever. And he has that style, right? He wants to protect the defense and uh, control the ball on offense with his offensive line and wear out the other team, right? Same philosophy as the Stoops family, which is Kentucky. Now, when you analyze coaches, you're using what in finance they call fundamental analysis. What fundamental analysis says that if you analyze the boss, if you analyze the management structure, right, it is a factor for you in evaluating a stock or a company to invest in. So that's why I talk about the coaches. Uh, Stoops, first game of the season, He's one of those guys that believes in toughness, right? Uh, both of these teams have been in the South where the social distancing laws, like here in California, you have the cohort, right? Where you can have, it used to be six and then it used to be 12. And now Gavin Newsom said he's going to waive it for uh, the Pac-12, right? In the South, you never had that. Uh, you had limited access to the gyms for a while, but you're talking about Kentucky and Alabama. So, it, and you got talking about football players. So uh, the offensive lines 
are going to be ready to go. And it's going to be one of those games where they're going to, it's going to be a wrestling match. They're just going to go right at each other. All right. So, uh, minus seven over under, uh, 48. Kentucky's not going to win the game, but Kentucky could cover. The game could be 10 to seven, right? Way under, uh, Auburn wins and Kentucky covers the spread. So I'm going to go plus eight Kentucky. And as far as the over under is, I'm going to go under 49. Because the, the philosophy of both these coaches and the way they think and it being the first game of the season, uh, Gus Mazal, right? He has to hide every single good play he has to beat Alabama. Because he can go 0 and 11 and beat Alabama, and he's good to go. All right. So for those reasons, I'm going to go Kentucky plus the eight under 49. And teams like Auburn, you always bet them as a dog, but you almost never, you never bet blindly, right? You always do your research, but you very, very rarely will bet a team like Auburn as a favorite, especially when you can get it over a key number, right? And right now I'm looking at Bovada. So I can get them over a key number. I'm going to go ahead and do that. So I'm going to go plus eight under 49. And that's your Kentucky Wildcats against War Eagle, right? You know, they call the Tigers when you go down to Alabama and you're going to go to a college party. They're going to ask you one question when you get to the door. Are you Roll Tide or are you Roll Eagle? <laughs> so we're going to go with the War Eagles to win the game, but not to cover the spread. And for it to be a slugfest, run fest, protect the defense fest. So when I say protect the defense is uh, run clock, run a lot of run plays. Uh, they got a second-year quarterback there in Auburn. So that means that if he has a home run play, he's going to keep it in his pocket and check down to a guy underneath because he doesn't want to score quick and get his defense uh, tired, right? Because that's where um, Malzant hangs his uh, coaching philosophy on and the philosophy of the big money donors at the University of Auburn. They remember the Pat Dye days of football. And now, next up, a- we got in the Big 12, Iowa State at TCU. Uh, Iowa State minus three. Uh, they are three-point favorites. The over/under is only forty-three. Obviously, we remember Iowa State a couple weeks back. Um, they fell to Louisiana, um, a, a team that needed, um, I believe, overtime or at least very, very close uh, last week. But anyways, Iowa State returns in this one um, to Big Twelve play. Uh, TCU. This is a team, um, obviously. Uh, Gary Patterson's been there a long time. Defensive-minded team, Iowa State, similar. Um, And let's be honest, we did not see what we needed to see out of this offense a couple weeks ago. I thought maybe Brock Purdy might be, you know, maybe a dark horse for 
um, Heisman after, you know, what he did last year. And that was, I couldn't have been further from the truth there. Um, however, I am going to get back on with Iowa State. I do think a lot of um, what we're going to see here in certain teams playing non-conference games is the inability to maybe do a full thing of scouting. Um, and obviously with TCU always being on Iowa State's schedule, maybe not targeted, but at least have an idea of rather than Louisiana where, you know, you make the game a month out um, and you don't really have a ton of time to get ready where, you know, Louisiana is like, hey, you know, this is a big game for us as number 23. Um, I think Iowa State gets it done here. Uh, I'm going to keep the my theme of the night going. I'm going to buy a, uh, buy a half point, get below that uh, magic number of three, take Iowa State minus two and a half. Um, and I know the number is only 43, but I still like the under here. I like this game being like 13, 10, 16, 13. Um, so uh, that's where I see this one. Iowa State minus 2.5 and the under 43. Yeah, it's very, very interesting, right? So you always, uh, maximum football is that the biggest improvement is from game one to game two. And like Dr. First says, Iowa State has a lot of improvement. They lose to Louisiana from the Sun Belt, which to be quite honest, uh, is not that bad because Louisiana had like over a hundred starts, career starts on that offensive line. And they put two guys in the NFL from that offensive line last year. And they got a great coach and coach Napier who coached in the big 12 Coach with uh, Coach Graham, who's now in Hawaii. So, and remember, it's the first game of the season, and those guys were targeting and practicing Iowa uh, State because Iowa State belongs to, you know, the so-called Power Five. So that was a lot bigger game for them. You got Matt Campbell uh, against Gary Patterson, two coaches who know how to do more with less. They do not make excuses and they come up with great teams uh, with lesser resources. So this is gonna be a great game from a strategy standpoint. Uh, they're both gonna be very, very well prepared to play. And what that has to do with betting is the under, as uh, Dr. First is alluding to, all right? And what I'm gonna look up for a second is what was the score of their game last year? We look at TCU against Iowa State. All right. So last year, uh, Iowa State drilled Gary Patterson 49 to 24. That game went way, 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 way over. So you look for this game to return to the mean. And Gary Patterson is a defensive coach. And Gary Patterson for him to be a $5 million a year coach, to have that Andy Dalton team from the Mountain West, probably should have won the national championship. If things were uh, fair in those days, instead of a big ball game. Uh, you don't get to be that good unless games like this bother you. So I'm sure he's been studying up Iowa State from the beginning to the end, and he's gonna dial up uh, a hell of a game plan, right? So, 100%. I don't think anybody beats Gary Patterson two years in a row. And you're getting points here, plus three. 
Uh, so I'm going to go plus three TCU under the 44 points as an obsessed with Iowa State. Uh, Gary Patterson takes his boys out there. Uh, and I, he has better talent, right? So I love getting points with a Hall of Fame coach, right? You got a Hall of Fame point coach, you're getting points. Could be Vegas is in that analyzing last year's Iowa State team. And uh, I'll, I'll say this, I haven't seen Vegas right now adjust to what the heck's going on. So it could be they're using those supercomputers that are great for stock. Those logarithms are great for stock, but right now uh, it's been almost like taking candy from a baby. Uh, a perfect example is in the bubble. They never adjusted to Popovich being the head coach of the Spurs. And they had Spurs as underdogs in every single game. And they went 7-1 and one in the bubble. And we went 7-1 and one against spread with uh, the Spurs. So, and they never adjusted those lines. So, hey, I think this is a mistake in the line. Uh, in business, you would call it in uh, taking advantage of an inefficiency. So, this is a big mistake in the line having Iowa State – uh, plus plus numbers against TCU having blown out TCU the year before. So watch for Gary Patterson. Watch for this game to go under. All right? So that is your Iowa State Cyclones against the Horn Frogs from TCU and Gary Patterson. Next up, uh, we stay in the Big 12 with uh, Texas at Texas Tech. Currently, the Longhorns are 17 and a half. Um, favorite 17 and a half point favorites. The over under is 70 and a half. Um, we obviously saw uh, Texas Tech up close and personal with Houston Baptist. Uh, look, I, I actually like Texas Tech to cover here. Uh, once again, we talk about that magic number 17 and a half. Uh, I'll take that. Um, I could see this being a 30 to 20 or a 37 to 20 game and will win all day. Um, definitely see that happening. I'm also going to take the under. I do know, obviously, both these teams are going to be able to score. But, you know, when you talk about 71 points, you're talking about, um, you know, one or two stops on either side, and you have that under. So um, while I don't think either of these defenses scream, oh, my gosh, you know, tons of stops, I think there's enough there. I'd rather play the under in this one. This this is a big reason why I don't like college over-unders because I could probably maybe possibly see it going over the way Texas Tech kind of plays quickly. Um, but I, in good conscience, I can't pick the over on a 70 and a half point conference game. So Texas Tech plus 17 and a half and under 70.5. Yeah. Uh, the Houston Baptist game, right? It was uh, 35-33. And uh, Houston Baptist covered uh, 41 points. And we have Ben Rathlack for Houston Baptist with uh, the air raid. Again, you make your first, your, your biggest improvement for first and second game. That same thing is going to be for Texas Tech. And I think that's what's going on here because that made, uh, with the SEC not playing, with the Pac 12 not playing, that made major headlines in Texas. The fact that Houston Baptist probably should have even won that game against Texas Tech, right? But uh, as we talked with Coach Sheely, we had the head coach of Houston Baptist. Now, if Houston Baptist would have won that game, that would have been the second biggest upset line-wise in the history of college football. 
who had Coach Sheely. And when we talked about that game uh, during the preseason, what he mentioned was that Texas Tech had bigger fish to fry. So they were going to play vanilla on defense and, and just have that vanilla offense, right, to win the game. So that offense and defense they had against Houston, Texas, is not going to show up here against Tommy Herman in Texas. It's going to be a whole new thing. It's going to be a lot better football team. Uh, it's been a lot of practice. There's been a lot of water underneath the bridge between those two games. And Tom Herman does not cover as a big favorite. He never has. And I doubt he ever will because he has to keep things in his pocket. Just like Manzon has to keep his things in his pocket, pocket for Nick Saban. Uh, coach Harmon at Texas needs to keep things in his pocket for the Oklahoma Sooners and Lincoln Riley, especially on offense where – he is probably going to get in a shootout and try to win 50, 60, 55 against Oklahoma, right? So what does that mean? That means that they're going to keep things under wraps. Uh, Texas, both teams have had problems with the quarterbacks. Uh, Sam Allinger, he's, he's one of those guys that he's a runner and a thrower, right? But he's not a passer. Uh, Texas Tech is getting their guys together and that we talked with Coach Sheely about Texas Tech. Texas Tech does not have all the pieces in place on defense because this is a Clingsbury uh, team. Even though he's a guru on offense, got himself to the NFL, uh, he's not what we would prefer him to be as a defensive evaluator of talent. So they've had to reevaluate those defenses, and those defensive backs did not look that good against Houston Baptist. Now, you got to have a caveat to that, is that Houston Baptist has done a great job evaluating and training uh, wide receivers. Uh, ben Raslaff on the Houston Baptist team, you will see him in the NFL, all right? So even though those Texas Tech defensive backs look bad, those transfers, they're not as bad as people are playing him out to be because people haven't really evaluated and know how good the Houston Baptist wide receivers are. So uh, I would say let's ride with Texas Tech, right? And this game is in Lubbock, Texas, on the Texas Tech campus, right? So that gives them that slight little bit of an edge of comfortability, especially early in the game. And remember, uh, the Big 12 over is going to be very, very inflated. All right. So even though the tackling is bad, how good are the coaches going to be uh, protecting the defense and calling those four-yard swing passes, right, versus 60-yard bombs? Okay. So I think both teams are going to protect the defenses. Uh, they have to keep their defensive guys fresh because it's a long season, but this is COVID-19 where you're not going to have depth on defense. Nobody's going to have depth on defense. So I could see this game being a uh, 35, right? 35-25 game. Boom, 60 points, way under the total of 70. So I'm going to go with 
Texas Tech Red Raiders. And, and one thing about Texas Tech, right, they have a great coach, man, who used to be at Utah State. He knows how to do less with more. He knows how to strategize for games. The teams have better talent than what he has. And remember, Tom Herman is close to 90% as a favorite, but only covers 50% of the time. So for that and many other reasons, you're going to go your Texas Tech Red Raiders, right? Plus 18, because I'm getting 17 and a half at Bovada, under 71. Next up, out to the SEC, uh, Mississippi State, Mike Leach's debut at LSU, uh, the defending national champs. LSU is favored by 16 and a half at home. The current line is 56.5. Um, LSU is going to win this game. Mississippi State's going to cover. Look, LSU, it's, it's just, it's physically impossible or it's just absolutely impossible to be able to replace everything they lost um, and not, not even including um, the, you know, the top player on this team opting out because of COVID. You also, I mean, just Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, uh, countless others that have left this team. Um, LSU, like I said, they're going to win this game 16 and a half too much, um, I believe. So give me Mississippi State and plus 16 and a half. This is another game right underneath that magic number. Um, so I really like that. Um, if you do, I, I'll actually buy that half point now that I look at it, get myself there to plus 17. Uh, in terms of the over-under, I like the under here. Um, I do know it's Mike Leach, so everybody wants to jump on the under at 56.5. Um, I do still think there's a ton of talent on that LSU team. And I really don't think it's anything that SEC teams haven't seen before. Might be, you know, little wrinkles here and there. But, um, you know, it's not like Mike Leach is bringing the uh, the – the, the spread offense to the service academies that, you know, they just can't get used to it or anything. Um, so um, I like the under here, but I still really think, um, I think Mississippi state's got this one uh, a six. Uh, give me 17. Like I said, I think they cover that um, rather easily while um, LSU tries to figure out really, you know, who they are without Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and uh, all the others who um, are playing on Sundays now. Yeah, let's see. It's interesting. They only had two guys coming back on defense. Uh, and on offense, not only did they lose the players, they lose uh, the coach, uh, the offensive coordinator that came from Joe Brady. New Orleans Saints, Brady. He's now the offensive coordinator of your Carolina Panthers in the NFL. Uh, so, that's going to be interesting. What people get wrong about uh, the air raid is that it could be a ball control offense. So you look at Mike Leach. He, he pulled up offsets at Texas Tech. He goes to Washington State. He pulls up offsets there. All right. Uh, when you look at LSU, they bring in Bo Pelini. Uh, former head coach in Nebraska. And they've had two head coaches now in Nebraska. None of them had the record Joe Politi had. So people, uh, the alumni in Nebraska now are appreciating how Bo Politi could coach and his strategizing and the fact that it's hard to recruit to Nebraska, right? So he's going to have that. He's going to play zone against the air raid, right? That's what beats the air raid is zone. So Bo Politi is going to play that. Uh, 
So that, that plays towards the under. Mike Leach has KJ Costello. And there was a big battle at Stanford for quarterbacks, and a lot of people felt KJ Costello was a better quarterback. So now he brings him as a transfer to run that offense. He's an experienced quarterback. Uh, I really like if you want to look at an SEC upset, I would not be shocked. And you're getting plus 500, right? I would not be shocked to see Mike Leach pull it out, right? So I'm going to go uh, plus – I'm getting plus 17 in Bovada. So I'm going to buy that half point, go 17 and a half. I'm going to put $5. I'll go 10. So I'm going to put $1,000 on 17 and a half. And I'm going to put 500 bucks on the under 57 and a half. And I'm going to put exactly $10 on the money line, Mississippi State. Because with a veteran quarterback like KJ Costello coming in there, uh, I think they have a, a quarterback advantage for sure. And, uh, you got to say, what do you think, Brandon, first? Uh, Mike Leach, as the offensive coordinator for Mississippi State, does he have a coach? It's not a big coaching mismatch, because I think Bo Pelini is a great coach himself. He took Youngstown State, right, from the SES uh, into the, the Final Four, and I think he even got him to a championship game in the SES. So he's a great coach, but I think uh, even best English because they have a degree in English, right? So the best way said from an English grammar standpoint, Mike Leach is a greater coach than Bo Pelini is as a defensive coordinator. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I personally, just myself, I think Mike, Le Mike Leach is a bit overrated. Um, I know that um, what he what he's brought to the game, uh, he's the one who kind of brought it in. But there have been plenty of other guys that have seemed to um, perfect it and run it just a little bit better. Uh, for me, Mike Leach, I think he's more the character than anything. A really good coach, but um, I, I do also need to kind of point out when it does come, KJ Costello. Uh, I mean, you, you talk about outside of running a wishbone offense, um, pretty much the exact opposite offense he ran at Stanford. He will be running now at Mississippi State. So it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to go from a from a team like Stanford where you're playing the pro set um, and all that. And then now you're going into a situation where you're probably, um, you know, going to be playing in the air raid, uh, not ever getting under center. I, I can't imagine. I don't think anybody gets under center under Mike Leach. Um, I don't even think in the kneel these days, they keep it in the pistol. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but that's just my personal opinion on that. Um, I, I, that's just my, my feeling. Um, but we, I am excited to see Mike Leach in the West or I'm sorry, in the SEC. I, 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 I don't quite have high hopes for it, but I definitely expect it to be explosive. Right. And why do you feel that Mike Leach is overrated? Well, I mean, what, what's he ever done? I mean, honestly, what has he ever done uh, besides, 
you know, have, have a couple big wins against big games. Um, he's had upsets in seasons. He's never really done anything. I think even the year that um, I believe it was Michael Crabtree um, was there and they, I think they had beaten Texas or maybe they had beaten Oklahoma. They had lost to one or, and then beaten the other. And I believe they came here to the holiday bowl here at San Diego and it was, and I know a lot of teams don't really come up and show for it, but you could just tell um, they, they were flat. I, I just think he is more of the, one of the more overrated coaches. Um, you know, they, they, a lot of people talk about him like he's a, he's an offensive um, God um, yet he's never gotten, you know, really just off the top of my head, uh, gotten close to a conference title. Um, maybe got to a big 12 championship game with Texas tech, but even then I'm not sure. Definitely not with Washington state, maybe pre PAC 12 and it's slipping my mind. Um, Cause it wasn't a conference championship game, but I mean, uh, for me, I, I, he, he's not the guy that, you know, for, for everything he's built on, I, I would like to see championships and I don't. Right. So the counter to that, right. And, and that's the great thing about all our podcasts is because we uh, are authentic and honest. So when you're authentic and honest, you can't agree with people hundred percent of the time. Right. I disagree with my wife Ian about 50% of the time. So the counter to what he's said is that at both stops where he's been, all right. So both conferences that he's coached in uh, the big 12 and the PAC 12, he's been named uh, coach of the year by his peers uh, multiple times, right? So his peers think that he's a heck of a coach. Now, Texas Tech, right? So when you look at Texas Tech football, before he got there, they were a horrible program during one or two games. He turns the program around and he gets them to bowl games uh, perennially. Now, as good as a coach I think he is, people hate him as a person. They think he's a horrible person, right? He took uh, Craig James' son, and he uh, said that he lacked toughness, and he put him in an outhouse in the middle of practice and shut the door on him where he couldn't get out. Right? So that was a big lawsuit. That's why he got fired at Texas Tech. Uh, he's hated, right? by all of his assistant coaches. Because like uh, Nick Saban, he works them so hard, he treats them so badly, right? That he's won the hatred of all his uh, assistant coaches. So as a person, people have a lot of doubts about him. However, as a coach, he's commanding a six million dollar a year salary from uh, Mississippi State, right? So he goes to that program, that, that program has a talent uh, deficiency, usually. You gotta have to be a heck of a recruiter, right? So he takes Texas Tech, that was a perennial loser, and turns him into a perennial winner. What happened to the guy that came after him, right? Clinsbury. He got fired because he couldn't uh, he couldn't get them to the level of play that Mike Leach got him to, right? And uh, 
his only conference championship was in 2008 when he won the Big 12 South, right? So uh, the tiebreaker went to Oklahoma, but he was seven and one with Texas Tech, 11 and two overall. So he does have a conference title to his name. No, that's a, that's a division title, and he lost the tie break. And even then, you win the division, you got to go to the conference title game. You're talking about a guy who makes $6 million and has never won. I mean, is that what we talk about with Bill Belichick, why he's the greatest coach ever? Because of all the co- Coach of the Year awards he's won? I mean, well, you know, he's pro football. You remember. can have that as your defense, and that's fine. But for me, it's championships with coaches. Mike Leach, as a $6 million a year coach, that is wildly overrated for a guy that the best thing that you said that he did was took Texas Tech to uh, uh, bowl games parentally. That is not $6 million to well, me. Well, because Texas Tech, right, before That's he just, got there. I, mean, okay, I, I, but, I heard you. I understood. I'm just saying $6 million, and the best thing that he's done is, like, he didn't take Texas Tech and turn them into a championship team. He took Texas Tech and turned them into a bowl team. That doesn't equate to $6 million a year to me as a coach, period. That's, and there's nothing anybody can say that's going to change my mind. Because, you know, you no, got to win fine. championships as a coach, period. It's the only yeah, way yeah, you yeah, are yeah, graded yeah. as a coach is how many championships you've won, period. Ask Marty Schottenheimer. Right, and that's professional football. But the problem with uh, Texas Tech is that Texas Tech does not have the resources that Texas has. It's $120 million program and they don't have the oil money you know they have some oil money in texas tech they don't have the oil money as oklahoma so he's always at a competitive disadvantage and before uh mike leach got to texas tech they were bad mike leach took him to another level then after him they're trying to get to his level same thing in washington state washington state was a morbid program until he got there right uh, and he got them to championship levels with, again, uh, Pullman, Washington does not have the resources of a UCLA or USC. So with limited resources at a competitive disadvantage, Mike Leach got Mississippi State, uh, got uh, Washington State perennially two bowl games. And he got a lot of guys in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position, right? And then from his tree, you have Clingsbury, who's the head coach at Arizona. And you have Graham Harrell, who's the offensive coordinator at USC, all right? So we can agree to disagree on that one. But I think Mike Leach has a little bit of an edge on Bo Pelini, and he's going to cover 18 points against LSU team that, like we, Dr. First said in the beginning, they're not bringing everybody back. So that is your breakdown, plus 18. And then under 58 for your over-under. Next up is Georgia at Arkansas. Georgia's 28-point favorites. The over-under here is 53. Georgia's going to run both of their quarterbacks out there, including JT Daniels, uh, to try and figure out who exactly is going to be the starter there. Um, That, to me, just spells cover, especially when it's 28 points. Um, I do expect Arkansas uh, um, to um, keep this game, you know, they're not going to win this game, but they're going to keep it within 28 points. I think that's a rather easy cover for a team uh, or going up against a team that is still trying to figure out who their quarterback is. Um, I do like the over though. Um, both, both, 
Both of these teams um, have some offensive weapons that they can they can take advantage of. Uh, Raheem Boyd is one that kind of jumps out to me for Arkansas. And then, you know, if JT Daniels can do what he did at times at, um, you know, at USC before he got hurt, uh, we'll see that. Um, and Georgia obviously always has the talent out there. I like Arkansas plus 28. Um, and then give me the over 53. I can see this being uh, getting up there in the 56, 58 range. Yeah, now this is a very interesting game. Uh, you got first year coach Sam Pittman. And this is an experiment with Arkansas because Sam Pittman, uh, you have two types of coaches, right? You have your X's and O's guys and you guys, guys that can recruit. So Arkansas, Missouri, and Memphis, two programs that have deep pockets, went with the sales guy, a recruiting guy as the head coach and not the X's and O's guys. So when you're not an X and O guy, you're going to have to get coordinators who are. And Barry Odom, former head coach in Missouri, right, is a defensive coordinator for Arkansas right now. And the offensive coordinator is going to be none under than Kendall Bryles, the son of Art Bryles, right? So that's, that's, that says spread, spread offense. So they're going, to run, they're going to run that spread, spread Georgia a little bit. And they got great coaches here. On the other side of the ball, you got Matt Luke, former head coach in Mississippi as the offensive, not the offensive coordinator, but as the offensive line coach for Georgia. And as the offensive coordinator, you're going to have Todd Munkin, who was the offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And before that, he was the head coach at Southern Miss. There's going to be some great coaching going on in this game. Uh, so when you got coaches like that, you got first game of the season going on, right? Uh, man, and you're going to get over a key number. So Arkansas – and this is in Arkansas, so Georgia's going to travel over there. Uh, it's very interesting because Kirby Smart, he's a Mensa member. So we know this guy is smart, smart, right? I mean, they just don't let anybody in Mensa. You can't pay your way into Mensa. Uh, he made the statement of, you know, uh, and this is a, the classic case, right? They probably are going to play both quarterbacks because one's a, a runner, thrower, and JT Daniels is a consummate passer. And the Georgia offense, he probably had it in a day compared to uh, the defenses he had to uh, learn and the offense he had to learn at USC. All right? So JT Daniels, he says in one breath, he's competing for the job. And then the other breath, he says he hasn't been clear to play. So if he hasn't been clear to play, how can he be competing for the job? Right? How can he be practicing if he hasn't been clear to play? So that's old school coach doublespeak. Uh, because he's double speaking like that, he's trying to hide something, as they say in the South. Uh, definitely expect JT Daniels to play. Uh, and then when you talk about Matt Luke coming in as the offensive line coach, uh, Georgia doesn't have a lot of guys coming back on the offensive line, but it doesn't matter because Georgia is one of those top five 
teams in the country, right? That youth doesn't matter because their recruiting is so good and they can get phenomenal athletes that regardless of their experience, right? Their pure talent, physicality gets them by. But being so early in the season, uh, being that Arkansas does have a player or two, being that you got Odom as a defensive coordinator, all right, and, and, and the offensive coordinator Arkansas has, uh, definitely I'll take Arkansas plus uh, the 28.5 and under the 57. Kendall Browse is going to keep that game. Kendall Browse has made me a lot of money because he's going to do that spread. He's going to protect the defense, right, and keep that Georgia offense off the field in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So that is your Georgia Bulldogs. Those dogs will hunt in Fayetteville, Arkansas, against the Razorbacks. Pick Suey. Next up, uh, staying in the SEC, we have uh, Alabama at Missouri. Um, obviously, look, the, the lines are going to be a little skewed, obviously, always here uh, with Alabama. Favored by 29 points here today, uh, or tomorrow, I should say. Uh, and the over-under is 56. For me, um, look, Missouri's move to the SEC, They, I think they had one or two years where – they they started early um, in the in it all and it seemed to you know they start and they get up to maybe fifteen and then they're two and zero in SEC play after wins over Tennessee and Kentucky and and then it all kind of falls apart. Well, they don't have that easy start now. Instead, um, obviously, they get the buzzsaw that is Alabama. A lot of people's picks to win another national championship. Um, look for me. I am going to throw down on Alabama. I'm going to lay the points. Um, personally, no, I'm not going to play this game uh, in my own thing. But for this betting podcast, I, uh, I am going to ride Bama. I do know, obviously, Nick Saban al isn't always going to throw um, everything at, at people. Um, but he's, his, his record in opening games um, against the spread as an SEC fan I know he has every he has his teams ready to go at all times, and like I said, I talked about it earlier. He doesn't have the fallback later on of a, a Georgia Southern or a Citadel or a Florida A and M Cupcake Week 13, Week 14 before the uh, Auburn game. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But I also do like the under. I think Alabama. I, I could see this honestly being a a, a 52 to nothing game. Um, for Alabama and then covering or even 52 to three and still covering the 56 and the under. Um, but give me Bama big, um, not actually going to play it, but for the, uh, for the podcast um, benefit, I will uh, say Bama big number and then um, under 56. Yeah. As for me, you know, any pick I make on the podcast, I put a thousand dollars on because of arbitrage. Of course, I'm playing a lot of other games. But I'm playing this one, and one key thing, even through the pandemic, is Hall of Fame coaches in the first game of the season, they've all covered. Uh, this is a high number, uh, 29. So I'm going to bet it down the other way to the key number of 28. Uh, 
Eli Durkowitz is the head coach of Missouri. He comes there after 13-1, uh, Appalachia State, right? Uh, Ryan Walters was retained as defensive coordinator, right? Uh, man, this – you couldn't have – and the more organized you are, the more experienced you are, uh, the better you're going to do in the pandemic, all right? And, man, this is, if you've ever seen a coaching mismatch, this is a coaching mismatch. You got Nick Saban, who's won, uh, whatever, six or seven national championships. You count the one in LSU. Uh, you have Sarkeesian, Steve Sarkeesian, who won – three national titles as an offensive coordinator at USC. So you have 10 national titles between Nick Saban, his offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, right? Uh, they break in a so-called, you know, first year starter at quarterback, but he played a lot last year. Uh, obviously has a lot of talent. Uh, I, Imagine Bryce Young is going to play. Man, this game screams of 52 to nothing Alabama. And, and Nick Saban has uh, covered the first game of the season forever. And that game's been under forever. His friend is Bill Belichick, the, the head coach of the New England Patriots. So both are very similar. So Hopefully they continue the, the similarity and the trend for me because New England, first game of the season, covered for me, and it went under, right? And these guys talk in the offseason. I imagine with COVID-19, they talked even more. So I'm going to buy that point to get it to 28. And I'm going to make it under 56 and a half, by about half point that way, right? And I'm going to go with your Alabama Crimson Tide, all right, uh, to cover the 28 points and for it to be under 56. A new staff against a Hall of Fame staff. Uh, doesn't seem like Missouri or Alabama is going to allow Missouri to score. So that is your Crimson Tide. I think they're going to Columbia, Missouri. And those are your Missouri Tigers. Next up, next up, we have uh, Florida State and Miami. The game is in Miami. 11-point favorites for the Miami Hurricanes. The over-under is 53-and-a-half. Uh, obviously, Miami really might have had one of the more impressive showings um, last week uh, against Louisville. It was in prime time. A very impressive performance and already kind of put uh, Derek King straight uh, uh, on that top five list for the Heisman. I obviously followed FSU closely this year. Um, I'm going to go Miami here, minus 11. I do know this is a rivalry game. They do tend to, um, you know, maybe cover a little bit more, but we're talking about a rivalry game where the coach, one of the coaches is out with COVID. Um, uh, and then you also have a perennial Heisman candidate um, and, and Florida State. Really, if it wasn't for two Asante Samuel Jr. or 
I don't know if he's Asante Samuel the second or Asante Samuel Jr. Anyway, if it wasn't for his interceptions, uh, that Georgia Tech Florida State game would have been a lot more lopsided. Both of those interceptions were in plus territory for Georgia Tech, so uh, it could have been a lot worse without him. Now, obviously, he's a baller, and I do worry about him, but. Um, I think Derek King and um, Cameron Harris, the, the, that running game, it's such a wonderful compliment. I'm really high on Miami, what I've seen so far. Uh, they've also played two games already. I think we're seeing certain teams um, that have already, they're, they're kind of getting in that groove. We saw it early on um, with, I think, Louisiana and, and a couple other teams. So give me Miami minus 11. I do like the under 53 and a half here. Look, I just don't have a ton of faith in the Florida State offense. Um, I think if Miami maybe didn't hold down Louisville, um, but they contained them, and I think they'll be able to hold down Florida State's offense, especially without Mike Norvell um, being there. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, give me my, Miami minus 11 under 53 and a half. Yeah, no, it, it, it's – Obviously, a coaching mismatch right now. Uh, Rhett Lashley is, in my mind, you know, one of the best offensive coordinators in college football. And then all that talent Miami has on defense. I have a hard time seeing Florida State uh, being able to score. They're, the coach they had before, uh, Willie Taggart, he puts a square peg in a round hole. So he was trying to build a power team in the South, uh, with some big offensive linemen, right? And now you switch back to the spread. You're changing these guys around uh, against that talent against Miami. I don't see them scoring, right? So this game could very well be 24 to nothing, 31 to nothing. So I see Miami covering and being over the number, being not over the number, but under the number. I don't see a lot of uh, I don't see a lot of Florida State offense in this game against that Miami shutdown. I'll kill you defense. And then DeAndre King, veteran quarterback, so he knows, especially with a lead, he doesn't need the home run play. And Miami can get the home run play uh, through basic run games, right? So they don't have to uh, roll the dice to get a big play. So for that reason, right, and when you, you have that dynamics there on, on, on uh, you have those dynamics on offense, what that means is you got to look at that under. So I like uh, the Miami Hurricanes to go ahead and cover those 11 points and have it be under. What was that under number? Uh, 53 and a half. 53 and a half. By that point, get it to 54. By the half point, 54. You want to lose by a half point. Salesmen think short term. Businessmen and women think long term. So don't get beat by a half a point. Don't let it happen, right? And why do you do that? What's the purpose of that, right? What's the purpose? What's the outcome? The purpose of that is for long term uh, bankroll stability, right? And the outcome is that you're going to have more money in your bankroll, which is the whole point of all this, having money in your bankroll. 
and so, yeah, the Miami Hurricanes will cover the eleven points, and it will be under fifty-four. Definitely, and and maybe think about buying a half a point. Um, eleven is kind of it's not necessarily a magic number, but it is kind of a weird one. It does pop up in the the nine versus you know. 19 to 30 or something like that. So little, little things like that, that the 10 to 14, all those numbers that if you look at football, a certain way could possibly be a magic number. So just keep an eye out there. And finally, the last game to talk about is in the SEC. Uh, it is Tennessee at South Carolina. Tennessee is three and a half point favorites. Um, the over under is 44 and a half. And I'm actually on this one. I'm going to, you know, throw, throw a little curveball, a little wrench in everything. I actually like the money line with South Carolina here. I think South Carolina is going to win the game. And um, I, I will say uh, new, new offensive coordinator um, for South Carolina is Mike Bobo and might be one of the more telling quotes um, him pretty much coming out and saying that the hurry up offense is ruining football and that he's going to come out and uh, line up jumbo and run goal line sets left and right just makes me smile whether or not he's actually going to do that or not. Um, I, I just like that personality. Tennessee is not a team that um, just jumps out to me. They, they have talent. Tennessee can recruit in name alone in really any sport. It is Rocky Top. It is Peyton Manning. It is, um, you know, Dante Stallworth in the Fiesta Bowl, the first BCS, I believe. Anyways, so they can recruit themselves, but but it's the managing and the and the head coaching that I think have been um, really lost since Philip Fulmer was, was let go. They were screaming for him to be gone, and now they would probably give – leave everything uh, to get him back. So I like South Carolina here on the money line and give me the under. I think this is going to be an absolute slugfest. I think South Carolina, if they're going to win this year, it's going to be, um, uh, you know, 13 to 10, 16 to 13 games. And also I do think there's a really good chance. South Carolina probably doesn't have too high of hopes. Tennessee was probably a team they looked at in the off season and said, Hey, that's a team we can go after. That's a team we can target. Um, let's be honest, they're not targeting Alabama. They might, but you're, you're going to lose by 38 instead of 40. So, you know, uh, I think they're, they're more focused on the Tennessees and these games um, that they really do think they can win. Um, so, yeah, give me South Carolina. Now, I mean, like I said, personally, I'm going to go money line. Obviously, I'm perfectly fine with the three and a half as well. Um, but I do like the under. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind the money line in that game. Now, I am a little biased because I have met uh, Will Moshan personally, and he is a very welcoming guy. For a guy of that stature, he's very accessible, he's cool, you know, extremely intelligent guy. He's like Kirby Smart as far, it's interesting because they're all, uh, they're members of Mensa and they've all been assistant coaches for Nick Saban, right? So they run that defense. Uh, so it's going to be identical defenses against each other, Tennessee and South Carolina. South Carolina has the talent advantage. So when you're getting numbers on a team that has a talent advantage, you're getting a lot of value, right? Uh, then you look at coaching. 
this screams like a coaching mismatch. Uh, both teams running the same defense, but the offensive coordinator for South Carolina is Mike Bobo, who did a great job at Colorado State. Uh, he did less with more, and he, he all those offenses were always ready to play, uh, Mike Bobo. So Mike Bobo versus Jim Cheney. And Jim Cheney's a great offensive coordinator, but he's not as good as the top offensive coordinator in the SEC. That's why he was fired from uh, Georgia. And now he's at Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt won two national titles with Nick Saban in Alabama. And he was the defensive coordinator for Auburn when they lost to Florida State in the national championship game. As a head coach, he's had a lot of embarrassing losses, right? He lost to Georgia State last year. Uh, he lost to BYU. And he lost to Vanderbilt the year before that, which was an embarrassing loss. He's getting his team. It's incremental improvement on the roster, which shows that he's great at developing teams. But he's running into a buzzsaw here with uh, South Carolina and Coach Muschamp. And I've been watching Coach Muschamp's interviews with the media. And... 80% of communication is nonverbal. So when you look at these coaches' press conferences, you don't want to look or, you know, it's almost like in life, right? Uh, believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. So what they say for the most part is meaningless. But what, when you want to look at it is their body language. And, man, he really looks like... Um, he swallowed a canary. He looks very happy. Uh, and when a coach like that looks happy like that, and he's one of those guys that when guys are smart, right, they're like uh, Nick Saban and Belichick where they put a lot on their coordinators and manage, right? Again, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So you need smart people around you so you can focus on the big decisions instead of doing little stuff all the time, all right? So uh, when you go about uh, thinking about that, all right, uh, you have to say that with Mike Bobo there, he looks very, very comfortable, all right? So look for uh, Carolina plus four, under the 46. So I'm going to go ahead and actually I'm going to buy a half point right, and make it 45 or you can buy a full point and make it under because you got to think it's an under game with two defensive coaches, SEC, first game of the season, all right? Uh, you got to look at it as an under game. So you got your South Carolina Gamecocks, 
Uh, the joke there is you can't lick R. You got it. Game cocks. So look for your South Carolina game cocks plus four and under 45 and a half. So those are your 10 games. We're going to be tracking it on Twitter. Bet in equal amounts, right? Bet more on the side than the total. And always, like always, let us know if you have any other questions. Uh, we're always here for you. So you can make money watching uh, these games. All right? And we're signing off. And we always sign off with Winston Churchill. Right? Remember, the problem we solve here is you having the right picks so you make money and your bankroll is fat. Right? So you can use... The Bitcoin card to pay gas, groceries, and rent. So we'll close with Winston Churchill. You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you get. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Betting and Gambling Podcast, the financial podcast, and we'll be back. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. And they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN Betting and Team Report Podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. That's why this one don't cost $800 and that cost $200. And I don't know what that cost, I'm just shitting the work. That's why I'm wearing those shoes and I roll my butt and I get a limousine stuck out there a mile long.